Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is family caregiving in immigrant communities. Now, I've heard a lot about the problems faced by family caregivers, and some of the things uh, I've heard about are these. First of all, how family caregivers felt so unprepared for what they had to face in family caregiving. Family caregivers who weren't sure where to go for all the advice or help and all the support they needed. Family caregivers who found themselves doing things, things that really only a nurse would be expected to do, things they had no experience with and no training for. And family caregivers who faced burdens on their own health, their own work, and their family's finances. So here's the question for today. How much harder is it for families and family caregivers who are immigrants? Now, to discuss these things, my guest is Samuel Getachew. Samuel is an Ethiopian-Canadian activist based in Toronto. He has a passion for Canadian and American politics. He's worked on many political campaigns, including that of then-Senator Barack Obama, He's also passionate about international development as well as community activism. Um, He writes a column for the Sasata newspaper. He's also written for www.swaymag.ca. You'll be able to access that from the description of this episode. The newspapers like the Toronto Sun and the Ottawa Citizen. And later this year, he's going to be traveling to every province and every territory within Canada to pay tribute to leading Canadians, Canadians of the past, such as former Prime Ministers John Diefenbaker, Louis Saint-Laurent, and the father of Canadian Medicare, Tommy Douglas. Welcome to the show, Samuel. Thank you, Dr. Gordon. Thank you. Good to have you. Now, Samuel, first question. We want to know a bit more about your personal background, your career, your recent experience as a candidate in a municipal election, and your political ambition. Samuel, please. 
Thank you. Uh, you know, I left uh, my home country, Ethiopia, in 1987 uh, with my mom and my dad. My dad was a uh, middle-class uh, Ethiopian. Uh, he wanted to, um, you know, it's always been the dream of um, educated Africans, I guess, to leave their home country and uh, go elsewhere. And my dad wanted to work for the UN, and he wanted the opportunity to... Um, to go somewhere else. Uh, I guess he loved uh, Ethiopia, but he wanted change. And we went to a small country called Zambia. And Zambia is a very small country right next to South Africa or Namibia or Mozambique. And he worked for the UN, um, taking care of uh, refugees from Mozambique. Um, and uh, he studied agriculture, so um, he was needed in the refugee camps to be in charge of the UN efforts. And that's that's how we left uh, Ethiopia. And then we, uh, you know, Canadian, the Canadian government uh, was looking for educated Africans to come to uh, Canada. Um, it's a sad reality, uh, taking educated Africans. I mean, it's, um, it's a cash 22, I guess, for us immigrants. And uh, we came here. We came here in 1990. And my dad started uh, teaching at uh, York University for a while. And my mom um, loved Canada but hated uh, the snow. And they decided to pack up and go back to Zambia through Care Canada. Uh, Care Canada is a small organization that has taken care of uh, the smallest and the poorest kids in the world. And my dad was uh, put in charge of a, a yet another refugee camp in Zambia, but this time working as a Canadian and uh, as a Canadian public servant. And they went back, and uh, and with uh, along with my older brother, we decided to stay in uh, Ottawa. And uh, Ottawa, as you know, it's a very small, uh, very boring uh, city. There's nothing to do. So uh, I got involved in politics because, uh, uh, you know, um, I was getting old to go clubbing. So the only option I had was to be active in Canadian politics and uh, enjoy the right. And it's been hell of a right, as John Crichton used to say. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yes, that was the only thing left for you was politics. Yeah, no, I like that very much. Now, I want to know more about your experience with health-related challenges and whether there's been a role for family caregiving in your life and that of your extended family. Um, not so far. You know, my parents, are. my mom is in her 50s, my dad is in his 60s, um, and they've been fine so far. Um, you know, I, um, it's, a, it's a blessing. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Ethiopian. Um, you, know, I, uh, uh, you know, I work with Ethiopians. I go to Ethiopian neighborhoods. Um, you know, um, I have different projects with Ethiopian Canadians. And I hear all kinds of stories, um, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, as an immigrant, the Canadian system is perfect as, from a, an immigrant perspective. But from a Canadian perspective, it needs uh, lots of improvement. Um, and, um, you know, um, I wonder if, uh, if we really uh, are accessible on a piece of paper or are we really accessible in Canada? And some of that um, um, reality is, um, you know, for some it is and for some it's not. Yeah, perfectly fair. Now, just staying with you for a moment because we're going to discuss those things that you mentioned um, in um, a subsequent episode here or a subsequent segment, rather. Um, what about your extended family in the sense, have you got family still in Ethiopia or for that matter anywhere else in, in the world other than Canada? Yes, you know, Ethiopia is a country that produces lots of refugees and immigrants. Um, and I have family members in every and any country you can, you can imagine. 
And Ethiopia, it's, um, you know, I go back to Ethiopia once in a while. I have lots of uh, families in every city, even in Ethiopia. Yeah. So, in other words, there could be a situation in your life where somebody close to you um, in some other part of the world needs some kind of help from you, but at a huge distance. I'm asking you that question because it's something else that I hear a lot about. That is, it's okay. Well, not so okay, but you can look after your family when they're living close by, but when they're thousands and thousands of kilometers away, uh, with time zone changes and all the rest of it, it's a lot more difficult. So that could happen to you, couldn't it? It's, it has happened before. Yeah. Tell me about some, a particular experience that you can recall of that. Um, you know, um, for an Ethiopian, it's uh, really difficult to bring, um, you know, an Ethiopian to, to Canada. We're the country that uh, no country wants uh, anything to do with. Uh, and uh, if I was to sponsor anyone, it's it's really, really hard. I mean, your background is United Kingdom. So for you, United, uh, Canada is just coming to another province or another state. But for an Ethiopian, it's very difficult. But when you're sick, it's even more difficult. Uh, the Canadian government would just, um, you know, no want to do anything with uh, your family or with uh, your intention. But, um, you know, when, when one of us is sick, um, one of my family members are sick, we usually try to send money and we try to give them the best uh, medical care, mostly not in Canada, but in South Africa or even in Thailand. Yeah. The reason I'm pressing on this point is that Somebody from another immigrant community explained to me how um, very often immigrant families leave behind a relative, maybe a parent, in one of the countries. Yes. Parent falls ill, and therefore there's nobody there to look after them. And so the family living here in Canada sponsor them. Yes. Is the family member to come to Canada. Now, are you saying that's particularly difficult for the Ethiopian community here in Canada? You know, fortunately, uh, my background is, um, you know, we're Ethiopians, but uh, uh, we come from a well-to-do family in Ethiopia. And um, even when someone is sick, uh, they get the best education, I mean, the best uh, medical care, even in Ethiopia. Uh, you know, Ethiopia is like uh, India or one of those countries where there's no middle class, but there's always, uh, uh, you know, rich or poor. And we happen to, my family background is, you know, they've done well in the past, and they usually get the best medical care, uh, either in Ethiopia or South Africa. But even, um, you know, from an immigrant's perspective, if, if we were to try to bring a family member who is sick in Canada, it's not even a question we can ask the Canadian government, because the Canadian government wants nothing to do with uh, a sick um, African. It's a reality. I'm not saying it's, uh, it's racist or anything. I'm just saying because the assumption is they have no money and they'll be, um, you know, They'll, be, they'll try to use the Canadian taxpayers' money, and they don't want to do anything with us. Um, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. Again, I'm not saying it's a racist policy, but it's a reality. And I've seen it, uh, you know, among Ethiopians. We discuss this all the time. Uh, and that's a reality with um, every second Ethiopian I meet on uh, everywhere in Toronto and far beyond. That's very hard on families, isn't it? Because somebody like a parent who means so much to you, and you don't, you know, that's everybody. We, we all care about our parents, even though they may, we may uh, sometimes get mad at them. The fact is, 
that they matter to us. And if there's a sort of obstacle to doing what we think is best for them, that's a very tough thing to take, isn't it? Um, it really is. Um, you know, if you look at the, our immigration system, um, if um, someone was to bring in a family member from Bangladesh or from Pakistan or from any of the African nations, uh, even if even if they're in their 50s and they're fine and everything is fine, sometimes it takes up to 15 years to bring them in Canada. If they're sick, it's even longer because you know the Canadian government doesn't want to be uh, you know take they don't want to take care of uh, the you know the o- older people so um uh, it's even really really difficult so um the reality is uh, it's, it's a question it's a debate that um some of us have discussed behind the scenes um you know it, you know Canada is a compassionate country on some areas and on some areas we're just um as bad as uh, any country that, um, you know, you can mention, Switzerland, you know, it's a country that has never accepted a single immigrant. And we have that uh, tendency to be like uh, those kind of countries. Right. Now, I'm going to interrupt you only because we have to pay our rent and go into the break. But we are going to come back to those issues because they really are fundamental to the things we're actually talking about. So, as I say, it's time for us to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Samuel Getachew. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back to discuss all these crucial questions. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Samuel Gessichu. 
Our topic is family caregiving in immigrant communities. So let's now talk about the challenges for family caregivers in these communities. And I want now, Samuel, to focus on the region of Toronto, Canada, okay. where you live and work, yes. and uh, the communities who live there. Now, you've already told us that the community that I think you're most involved with is the Ethiopian community, so we'll focus on that. But first of all, do you come across, get into contact with any other communities besides the Ethiopian one? How could you not? Um, I live in the most multicultural city, Toronto. Um, I mean, you go to a, on your subway um, stops, you meet the United Nations, and uh, of course I work with them, um, especially someone who's trying to sell uh, you know, a huge product, which is politics. You have to, you all always have to work with all kinds of people, people from all walks of life. And of course, I deal with people from any, at any given day, I, w I work with, uh, you know, all kinds of people and on different issues on any given day. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you next, what challenges do these family caregivers in these communities chiefly face? Now, what I'm looking at is if the Ethiopian community faces special challenges, please tell us, or if the challenges are all broadly the same for the immigrant communities you work with, then tell us generally about the, the challenges. But it's the challenges I want you to talk about. You know, the um, Ethiopians are typical of, um, you know, people from, uh, you know, third world uh, countries. We celebrate, um, you know, our weddings are generally uh, attended by thousands of guests and our funerals are the same. Uh, we focus on the weddings and the funerals and sometimes we neglect uh, to arrange our funerals and we rarely, you, know, you rarely see an Ethiopian buying an insurance and that kind of stuff because when we lived in Ethiopia, it was almost like, um, you know, you're raised by the village, the whole village, so you hardly take care, um, there was no system to take care of you. There's uh, no social safety net in Ethiopia unless you know, some Western country gives you money and all of a sudden you want to um, do stuff only based on the money and when the money runs out, the idea just dies. There's no movement. Um, and um, so the challenge for Ethiopians is to understand that the Canadian system is, is a better system and we haven't, uh, more, like most immigrants, we haven't taken advantage of all the good qualities of the Western countries, which is, you know, you arrange your funeral so your family won't be, um, uh, won't have to pay for your funeral once you're gone, and that kind of stuff. And we're behind, and uh, I think we're a work in progress. We're recent immigrants. Where, you know, Ethiopia was a fine country until, uh, you know, maybe 35 years ago, and that's when Ethiopians started leaving our country, and we became refugees and immigrants, and um, we're. A work in progress. You know, the Ukrainians went through the same process uh, some hundred years ago, and the Chinese did the same. And, you know, we were trying to follow in their footsteps. Right. Would you say that was true, what you've just described for the Ethiopian community? Is that true for the other immigrant communities, some or all of them, whom you're in contact with? 
you know, immigrant is, um, the word immigrant has been, uh, it's a very broad, um, you know, definition. I remember when Jean Chrétien appointed uh, the wife of um, uh, uh, Greg uh, Weston, I think uh, his name, the owner of Loblos, uh, you know, very rich. He's uh, one of the billionaires uh, in Canada. And he mentioned when his wife was appointed, uh, you know, she she owns uh, the whole Renfrew store and she's from uh, London, England, and he described her as an immigrant. So um, any one of us can be an immigrant, but yeah. the whole, but my definition of an immigrant is uh, from my own Ethiopian Canadian perspective, as someone who is in need or um, you know of a protection and that kind of stuff. Um, I guess I'm touching on um, the definition of refugees and immigrants at the same uh, token, but um, but that's uh, reality and. Um, I think I missed the the question. <laughs> okay, no, that's perfectly fair. I was just yeah. saying, can you read across from the Ethiopian experience into these other ethnic yes. or immigrant communities? Okay, let me go back. Yes, yeah, so um, if um, if your experience is an, as an African, the majority of the time is um, you know you've come from a broken system. Not just I'm not just picking on Africans. Of course, there are some of us who've come to Canada and our life was. Um, you know, the same in Ethiopia, whether it was in Ethiopia or Zambia. But if you come from those like countries like Bangladesh and Ethiopia and so on, the majority of the time, um, you know, it's um, you know we're a producer of refugees, and our experience is exactly the same. But I mean, I'm sure the experience of um, you know a rich uh, woman who came from England and uh, owned uh, Loblos and whole Renfrew, I'm sure when she gets sick, I don't think I'll see her at the same hospital. She probably would go to New York and get the best education. I mean, the best medical care. Yeah, I think you're probably right. (laughs) Now, Samuel, still on this question of challenges, what would you say for the Ethiopian community now are the, let's say, the three most severe challenges Ethiopian family caregivers in Canada face? What are they? You know the challenge I mentioned is the biggest one is um, you know we um, when you know when you're my age and when you seem to be fine um, you know we don't buy the insurance and all that kind of stuff we don't arrange our funerals it seems for us at least uh, you know we'll live on like just like Michael Jackson used to predict he'll be alive until one when you know until the age 150 and we all assume we'll be here until you know um, you know until those ages and we don't prepare for our funerals we don't buy insurance and so on and it's only when we die and all of a sudden our church gets involved the community will get involved and some of us want to be buried in Ethiopia because that's where our foundation is from and to send a dead body is cost like $20,000 and um, because it's a wish of the dead we have to send the you know the body to Ethiopia and there's no money so we have to raise the money and you know um, in Ethiopians you know we have funerals um, you know very often and we always have to raise and we're using the same system over and over again and we haven't been as progressive or as open to the idea of taking care of ourselves uh, in the future we, we take care of ourselves for the moment for today and we don't it seems we don't look uh, to the future and we it has to begin to change and I'm hoping it will change right now let's go, let's stay again with the um, Ethiopian community let, let me ask you the question now. Um, you've been very frank with us about the, well, you know, the challenges within your own community that you, I think, see as rooted in some of the ways 
that as a community uh, you behave. And I, I'm not being critical when I say that. Yes. I'm just summarizing back to you. Yes. Now, what I want to know next is what, what are the challenges that the family caregivers face when they look outside the community and they go um, to get help for whether it's a health problem within the family or whether it's um, a social problem in the sense that um, they, you know, this happens in every community. The family caregiver is no longer able to work. That creates family, family financial problems. What are the challenges then that people, the immigrant communities we're talking about, the Ethiopian ones, face when they interact with Canadian society and are looking for help? Um, you know, um, you know the foundation of uh, Canada. We, um, I think, since the 1970s, um, you know, when the idea of multiculturalism came into the picture, the whole idea was for the government to start funding multicultural programs and all kinds of ideas. Um, you know, when the idea came through the NDP. David Lewis, um, I mean, I don't know if you recall David Lewis is the father of Stephen Lewis, who yeah. is a huge name, it's a huge uh, brand name in Africa, um, and, you know, we started relying so much on government money, and um, and so it's, it's always every idea goes back to government uh, money, taxpayers' money, and we sometimes we neglect uh, to know that we live in um, a capitalist system where we have to take care of ourselves. And um, so um, the government has always provided band-aid solutions. And, uh, you know, even a conservative government, they're going around Toronto and all over Canada announcing all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, I, I mean, the whole idea is for them to win, but the idea is it, um, it, it's, it's, that's not the kind of system that, sh- that should be encouraged. Um, and, again, every problem, every issue goes back to government, and, and when it goes back to government, it's about money. And even, I mean, if you, I don't know if you've read, but the Ethiopian Association is closing down after 29 years because the government stopped funding the association. And, um, I mean, they've funded it for 29 years. 100% of the funding comes from the government. And when the government decides to take the money away, you know, the movement stops. And we have to begin to be self-sufficient. We have to begin to fund some of our ideas. And it hasn't happened because we've always been taught uh, um, to rely on government. And, um, and Canada, more than America, we're a country that funds all kinds of stuff, and it has to begin to stop. I mean, um, it's not solving our issue. Um, you know, the issue of if I go, if I could just sidestep and mention the crime rates in the poor neighborhoods in Toronto, um, you know, the government is again trying to, uh, you know, improve it through the status quo, which is by throwing money, and it hasn't worked. The crime rates every every year goes up, and it hasn't gone down. I mean, it might be the same this year than last year, but the fact that it hasn't gone down and it goes back to the healthcare, um, there has to there has to be, uh, you know, there has to be a way for us to be self-sufficient and start funding it and so on. Samuel, I'm just going to make a comment. We've only a minute or so left because okay. I want to return to these issues in the, in the next segment. But I'm just going to make a comment to you now that there's what I call the third sector in Canadian healthcare. You know, one's government, one's the so-called private sector, and the other is this charity sector, which is where 
communities, group people, individuals, go out and raise money or volunteer or build websites or make uh, political movements. Yes. All are out of their own group effort. The sense that we have to do something. And what comes through on this program, on this, on this show, Samuel, is that there's an amazing number of family caregivers, and they're drawn from all communities, who are kind of traveling a road of family caregiving, and it's a tough road, and it's as though they pause, look over the shoulder, see somebody just getting out on the road, and then they reach a hand back to help them along. Okay. So one of the things I want to talk to you about next is what about the immigrant communities and you know what we'd, we'd call charitable systems, but I'm using charity in a rather technical sense. Yes, I know. Whether I just um, just uh, suggest it to you. Now the, the engineering work is obviously resuming at your end. Yes. So I'm going to um, suggest that we take the break now. Um, because it is coming up to the time for the break. Okay. And this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Samuel Getachew. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more to talk about. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know what a brat is? No, we're not talking about that kind of brat. Brat stands for British Regimental Attached Traveler. It was adopted by American culture after World War II when American military began long-term assignments at U.S. military installations worldwide. Learn about the Brat culture, the Lost Tribe, by tuning in to BratCon Radio with host Dennis Campbell and co-creator Pat Caves. There are almost 8 million living brats. Hear from them and from guests who studied or examined them. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. Voiceamerica.com. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. Our guest, Samuel Getachew. Our topic? is family caregiving in immigrant communities. 
So let's talk about how well the needs of family caregivers in these communities and groups are understood. And I want to just follow up on the point that I made to Samuel as we uh, ended the last segment, which is what about charity, the charity method of raising money and resources and support? Does that work? How does that work in the immigrant communities? Um, you know, any idea that might work, uh, you know, when the Toronto School Board came up with the blacks-only high school or middle school, uh, we all said it shouldn't be because this is 2010 uh, or 2011. I think they started it in 2008. We kept saying, you know, it shouldn't be ghetto-sized. We kept saying, you know, uh, a blacks-only education, how would it work? And we I mean, I strongly disagreed with it, but as a Canadian, you know, I reflected on it and I said, um, you know, why don't we try it? It's, uh, you know, give it five years and if it doesn't work, we'll just end it. Uh, The same as the Catholics, you know, when um, the former Premier Bill Davis came up with the idea, every, um, you know, every person, almost the majority of Ontarians kept saying, you know, it shouldn't be, there should only be one school board, but at least, um, you know, a new idea came into the picture and it seems to work. Uh, now it's part of the status quo. And, um, you know, an idea like you just mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful idea. I've never heard of the idea. But, again, it's, it's an idea that, uh, you know, that's worth uh, pursuing because our Medicare system is in need of a great help, and not just in terms of money, but in terms of new ideas. And people, too. Yes. Samuel, exactly. thank you for that. I'm going to ask you now, and I'm, remember, I'm a healthcare professional, a retired physician. So how well do people like I used to be and nurses, doctors and nurses, understand the challenges faced by the family caregivers in the communities you understand, like the immig- immigrant communities, like the Ethiopian communities? How well do they understand and what are the gaps? I think they try their best. Um, if not, they try to patronize. Um, I mean, uh, you know, most doctors, you know, you just have to take um, a taxi and uh, you'll, you might discover that the driver that's taking you to anywhere you want uh, is, uh, is a, an MD, um, you know, willing to drive a taxi for 16, 18 hours because, you know, uh, the federal government would bring them to Canada and giving them the impression of a huge chance to be somebody only to come here and allow the provincial government to say, you know, you shouldn't practice because you don't have that Canadian experience that's needed. Um, and um, when we involve those kind of people, I know you, the University of Toronto and uh, Queen's University are having, um, you know, different programs to try to train them for a year or two years so they could practice in Canada. When we involve those kind of people, of course, they become a reflection of, you know, the great diversity of Toronto and Canada. Uh, They would understand because they become part of the system. But unless we involve those kind of people, you rarely see a kind of diversity you need uh, to see in your professionals, including including the doctors in Toronto and far beyond. Right. Now, it's going to be the same question, but now I'm asking you in relation to the healthcare system as a whole. How well do you think it understands the challenges faced by the, the family caregiver communities you're talking about? 
You know, um, I like, um, you know, my hero has always been Tommy Douglas. I think he came up with a great idea, and people love him. Some people have a crush on him. Some people like him. Some people respect him. Uh, his idea is a wonderful idea, but it's an idea that came into being some 50 or 60 years ago in the 1960s uh, from, you know, from a basement of his church in Saskatchewan as a reverend. It's a wonderful idea, but it hasn't been reformed. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know Alexa McDonough, the leader of the NDP. Yeah. When her mom was sick, uh, she did not take her to the public hospital. She took her to the private hospital so she could get the best medical help. Uh, if Alexa McDonough, who says she believes in the principle of Medicare, um, why shouldn't my mom or you know other Canadians be given that choice? I think if someone affords to pay for a medical help in Canada, I know my NDP friends would dislike me forever and I, I might not run for the NDP, I might be blacklisted but the reality is people need a choice. Um, it's just like uh, you know the state universities in the US and the Ivy Leagues. If you can afford to go to uh, Ivy League schools and if you can manage to pay the high tuition rate go for it. We have to bring that kind of uh, choice to the Canadian medical system. Very interesting and I'm going to take you up on that if not in this episode then maybe in another one. But now I want to get to one of these issues, which is how do we get, do you, do we, the community, get attention for these gaps in understanding that you've talked about? And I'm particularly thinking now of, first of all, people like I was, the physicians, and also our colleagues, the nurses. And I'm also thinking about the bureaucrats who run the healthcare system. How, how, whose job is it, first of all, to get them to try to understand the family caregiver's challenge, and um, how successful have we been so far in creating that, those understandings? You know, the, the most you know, the most powerful position you carry as an immigrant from the United Kingdom, if you're an immigrant, I don't know, or, uh, oh, you know... Yeah and myself as an Ethiopian, is we all have the same kind of privilege of a wonderful Canadian citizenship. Um, if, um, you know, Tommy Douglas was one person, uh, Lester B. Pearson was one single person who came up with the idea of uh, the peacekeeping mission that we see any given uh, country in the world, uh, why not? I mean, um, you don't have to have a movement. Uh, one person can make a huge impact. Uh, you know, the story of Obama seems to be a movement, but yet again, when he stood and gave that uh, inspiring speech in the convention, and uh, I guess, uh, was it in Denver or one of those states? Uh, he was a single person, uh, you know, a guy with a funny name. So um, you don't need to have a position, but yet again, there are so many pressure groups even working on exactly what you're saying. I've heard the conversations before. It might be from the Canadian Medical Association and so on. I remember when there was a, a president who uh, wanted to uh, bring free enterprise to the system, and he was the president for a couple of years, and somebody else took over and wanted to change it into uh, Tommy Douglas kind of vision of uh, free Medicare for everybody. So you can always join those kind of organizations, and under your leadership, you can move it left or right or, you know, anywhere you want. And you get all of those privileges from the marvelous Canadian citizenship that you carry in your pocket each and every day. Right, right. Now, I'm going to look 
still looking at the at the communities. Um, you have created in my mind the impression that your community, your particular community, will act as a group in certain things. That is, um, there are ways in which the community supports its members. Yes. First of all, am I right about that? And secondly, if I am, please tell me the ways in which um, they that support the community support their members. You know, there's um, the Ethiopian Nurses Association, and I know there are a couple of uh, Ethiopian doctors who are trying to organize and have an association. They, I think they want it to be a social kind of club. But again, at their foundation, every even our country was uh, founded as uh, you know as an exclusive club. Then we became a country. As I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning Canada, of course, um, and uh, but you know uh, from social club, everyone has to mature, just like uh, you know, just like a typical human being. And I'm sure they would take on an issue one or two in the future. So you can always work with those kind of organizations, and you can empower them, and they can empower you back, and you can always. Uh, you know, uh, um, try to offer that kind of change, and the media is always on the lookout for that kind of idea. If you believe in free enterprise, you can always get in touch with the Toronto Sun and try to sell your story. Um, and if you think Tommy Douglas is God, you can always call to the Toronto Star and work with them. But the reality is, it's just like a nice haircut. You know, when someone gets a nice haircut, it's 85% of the work is already done. You're looking fine. You're, it's like an A. So um, if the media takes on your story, it, it means half of uh, the work is already done because, yeah, you know, there will always be someone contacting you and, and wanting to work with you, and some of them might have money, some of them have might have resources or a movement behind them. You can always, always um, um, bring your idea forward by working with the media and like-minded individuals. And no idea is stupid. You know, when I came up with an idea of naming Little Ethiopia on Danforth in Toronto, even the mayor was laughing at me, saying it was a crazy idea that would never come uh, in a very multicultural country like Canada, I mean, like Toronto. But that was a year ago, and this is this year. We're fighting, and we're very close to having it named as Little Ethiopia. So, uh, you know, an important issue like yours uh, has a voice. I mean, should have, uh, you know, that kind of uh, empowered voice. And even if someone is to disagree with your ideas, Canadians are the nicest people. They like to listen to different ideas. Uh, just go to the House of Commons in Ottawa, and, uh, you know, the, maybe 90% of Canadians disagree with uh, the Bloc Québécois, willing to divide uh, and break up the country, but we're willing to listen. We've been listening to them for 20 years, and nobody has been killed. Right. Samuel, great point. Now, it is time to take the break to uh, earn the rent. So, this is Dr. Gordanley. My guest is Samuel Getachu. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, stay tuned because we're coming back to fix or to say how Samuel is going to fix these problems we're talking about. 
Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Samuel Getachew. Our topic is family caregiving in immigrant communities. Uh, I now want to talk with Samuel about government services for family caregivers and their family members. In the communities are groups of patients and family caregivers, which you, Samuel, are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, you've already mentioned government's understanding of the challenges, and I got the impression from you that the understanding just isn't there. Can you be more, tell us more about what you see as the gaps in understanding? In other words, what are the things that, what are the ways in which governments need to be educated by your community and others? I think, um, gov- not just government, I think Canadians should uh, have to begin to listen to different perspectives. Uh, Canada is a nice country, but we're, uh, com- I mean, we're not a communist country like Cuba. Uh, we're a country that believes in choices. And when it comes to Medicare, you know, as again, uh, Tommy Douglas, yes, I agree, one of the greatest. Uh, you know, on CBC, he's the greatest, but I think he's one of the greatest uh, Canadians uh, for coming up with that kind of idea. But I think Canadians should begin to understand that uh, our Medicare is underfunded, um, and uh, you know you go, you, ha- you just have to go to a hospital and wait for like maybe sometimes ten hours to get any kinds of medical help. And even we hear of uh, you know when we open our daily papers, we hear of uh, Canadians who've died uh, waiting for medical help, uh, and it shouldn't be. I mean, um, if someone can afford to get, uh, you know to get uh, medical help uh, and if they have money uh, they should be given a choice uh, if we don't if we don't give them a choice they would just go to the US and their money will be spent in the US 
and we need their money. We need to give them choices. I think uh, the idea of uh, looking at the third option, which is a mixture of public and private uh, funding, uh, should be studied. Uh, do I support it? I don't know anything about it. I'm, I'm just like a Canadian who wants to uh, hear more about it. And, uh, and it might be an idea that I might support in the future. Or I might uh, oppose. But the reality is the debate should begin now. Right. Now, what you're talking about are political matters. Um, and you have political aspirations. You were in, uh, involved in a municipal election not too long ago, and I'm now wanting to put you on the spot politically. I'm going to ask us to suppose that you are now in election mode on the political platform. So I want you to tell us what the three points are that you want to get across to voters who are listening to you. And I'm talking about the points you want to make uh, for a political platform to support family caregiving, perhaps generally, but particularly in immigrant communities. So what are your three points, Samuel? Uh, you know, when Kim Campbell was asked uh, during the election, um, you know, when she was asked serious questions, she kept saying, um, you know, uh, elections are not the best place to, to hear serious, to have serious discussions. Um, and even Stephen Harper was uh, once against uh, Medicare, but uh, he's come across as someone who believes in the principle of Medicare. Um, you know, it's almost like going to Quebec and saying you'll take away their childcare, uh, because when, when you seem to, when you give Canadians the impression that you're against the principle of Medicare, you become a fringe candidate. And if I was running, I'd probably, um, I'd probably take advice from the best uh, Canadians who came before me, Stephen Harper, and so on. But the reality is, I might or I might not run in the future. So I just want to be honest. I think um, again, I want to. Um, it, of course, when you run for a, you know any any campaigns, you go and listen to different perspectives. And one of the uh, perspective that has stayed with me is our Medicare is underfunded and there should be a third way and uh, and again I, wa I don't want to be like Kim Campbell and say you sh we shouldn't have serious discussions but uh, um, uh, I mean uh, so on election day I, I mean during my elections I would like to listen and try to come up with a third uh, way which is uh, a mixture of um, you know different perspectives uh, to move forward. I think Medicare has uh, served Canadians very well, but it hasn't been perfect. And uh, the way we can make it more perfect is by bringing new ideas. Perfectly fair. Now, what you've been um, talking about is money, and healthcare is always short of money. It, there's never a moment when it isn't short of money. So my question to you then is, okay, you want more funding, so where's the funding to come from to support the things you want to do? There's only uh, one person who pays, um, you know, we only have one government and the money comes from Canadians. Uh, whether the Canadian, the Canadian makes, um, you know, a billion or maybe whether the Canadian makes a hundred bucks or whether they don't even make any money, every Canadian, including the one that makes no money, uh, pays for the Canadian system. Uh, after all, this is our country where we've taken ownership of the country even as an immigrant and the money comes from one source, which is our government, and our government has literally no money to pay for the kind of uh, high-class medic, um, you know, med medical help or assistance 
Canadians want and demand on a daily basis. I've seen very reasonable, passionate Canadians who want to get the best medical help um, and pay nothing for it. I mean, someone has to pay for it. And, uh, and I mean, they have to change as, lo- as much as they want the Canadian government to change. They, we have to begin to change too and uh, allow different ideas to prosper. Uh, not every uh, decent or good idea has come from the left. Um, you know, some ideas might be, uh, might be worth pursuing even if they come from the right. Um, I think the right has spoken passionately for a long time. I think people who are pinkos from the left should start listening to the right from, uh, you know, people uh, like Preston Mannings and so on, who've written all kinds of literature in the Global Mail and so on. We've read it. Um, Some of it seems to be reasonable, and we're Canadians. Uh, Every good idea is owned by Canadians. If I come up with a nice idea, it's no longer mine. It's it's Canada's uh, idea. Right. Now, here's a question. Then... If you agree, and I'm going to ask you in a second whether you do agree, that family caregivers from the communities we're talking about and generally need to get their voices heard. Now, first of all, let me just ask you, do you agree that those communities, those family caregivers, need to get their voices heard? I mean, I mean, I would, I would be uh, foolish if I was, if I was to say no. I mean, they should. I mean, every Canadian, uh, you know, the kind of work you got, you have done, and the kind of work those kind of people have done affects every single Canadian on a daily basis. Right. So, in other words, um, it's a good idea. Now, getting voices heard. Now, how can that be done? And I now want you to talk about the Ethiopian community. You're a very, if I may say this too, you're a very able spokesperson for your community. That's why I'm asking you this question. What are you and people like you from the community going to do to get the voices heard of the people who need more and better help from the system to cope with the things they cope with? Samuel? Yeah, you know, someone like myself, um, I've always looked beyond myself, and I've lo- always tried to create a movement. Um, you know, some ideas. Uh, you know, despite the differences you see among Ethiopians and so on, there has to be some ideas that unites every single uh, Canadian, every single Ethiopian Canadian, and so on. And the issue of uh, Medicare and you know the people behind it—it's an issue that affects each and every one of us, and we know. Uh, uh, some of us know their, you know, their work and their importance when it's late, but the reality is um, we all have to be educated and know more. And um, you know, it's a wonderful idea, of course. And I'm sure every Ethiopian would, uh, you know, would support it. And um, you know, but you always have to create a movement, uh, and um, you know, you have to, you shouldn't focus on the small things. But uh, an idea like Medicare and the people behind it, is, it's a very mainstream idea that's shared by anyone. Even uh, if you go to Yellowknife and, uh, you know, I've watched the debates uh, between the premiers and the MLAs, um, half of the time the debate is on Medicare. So we all know that Medicare is, um, you know, it's an, um, I mean, we all think it's a Canadian signature that uh, has, uh, even Obama has taken from us. Um, but we want to reform it and we want to, we all want to be part of it. It's a movement. Right. Now, this is a bit of a loaded question um, because I'm biased, but I think, and I want to ask you what you think, that it 
might be a good idea to get you and some of your politically interested Ethiopian um, friends and colleagues to talk on an episode about how to get your community's voice heard for the things they need for more and better support in family caregiving. Uh, we only have a minute, so I'm, it, this really isn't asking you for anything more than a yes or a no. Is that something that you would be interested in working with me on? Of course. I mean, um, I mean, we all want. Even my uh, friends who are who are new to the, uh, the the Canadian mainstream debate, they would want to get involved. Fine. I may get back to you. <laughs> okay. Now we're running out of time, unfortunately. So I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with your comments and questions and ideas, particularly for Samuel. I want to say thank you to uh, Samuel. And I want to say I would vote for you if you stand for election on a platform of family caregiving. I want to thank you for the insights you've shared with us and for your openness in the way you've talked. And so I'm going to wish you every personal success in your political career. And I won't say which party I want to see you leading but because that would be partisan, but I hope you wind up leading leading one. So let's talk again on Family Caregivers Unite. Thank you, and on behalf of uh, Canadians, I just want to say thank you for your work. And, uh, you know, uh, you haven't, um, even you've retired from your profession, but yet again you're contributing, and those are the, Cana the kind of Canadians that has always uh, inspired me. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you very much. And just to say to our listeners, we're going to be talking more in our next episode about getting help for family caregivers. Please do join us, same time, same step, spot on the internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.